Hello, everybody. This is Greg Wareham from Your Mortgage Process. So we've spent a lot of time over the past couple of years interviewing different guests, talking about talking to real estate agents and hedge fund managers and accountants and inspectors and a lot of different people to try to better educate you about areas of real estate. And the namesake of this show is Your Mortgage Process. And one of the things we haven't done a lot of is talk about mortgages. So I want to spend a little intimate time with you today to talk about different mortgage types. And I'm going to start with three basic mortgage types. And there's a lot more, but the three basic types are conventional conforming mortgages, FHA mortgages, and VA mortgages. Now, in addition to those, you do have renovation lending and new construction and jumbo mortgages. you got a whole bunch of different products, but those are the three primary products that we see. So what's the difference between them? So on a conventional mortgage, you can put down as little as 3%. On an FHA mortgage, you can put down as little as 3.5%. And on a VA mortgage, you can put down 0%. So from a consumer standpoint, those are three options from a down payment standpoint. So all right, the question I get all the time is, why would I pick one versus the other? And I'm going to take you down the path of conventional versus FHA. So as I had said, a conventional mortgage will allow you to put down as little as 3%, and an FHA mortgage will allow you to put down 3.5%. So which one do I go with, right? Well, here's the advice that I give to people. If you have exceptional credit and you have really strong income, generally speaking, a conventional mortgage is going to be the better product for you than an FHA mortgage. And here's why. So when you look at a conventional mortgage and you're putting down as little as 3%, you have to pay what's called monthly PMI or mortgage insurance. And that mortgage insurance can be an expensive part of your mortgage payment. Mortgage insurance is broken down based on what percentage of the value of the property you're borrowing, or another way of putting that is how much is your down payment. So as an example, when you look at mortgage insurance for a conventional mortgage, there's a different cost if you're putting down 3% as compared to 5% or 10% or 15%. And it's broken down in those 5% uh, intervals. Now, the highest you could possibly pay on a conventional mortgage is the lowest down payment that you put. And it's a risk factor, right? So your cost of PMI is going to be higher with 3% down than it is for 5% down. However, as I had indicated, if your credit's really strong, that cost of mortgage insurance can be lower than the cost of MIP, which is FHA's version of mortgage insurance, on a monthly basis. So that's one reason why you may go conventional over FHA with really good credit. Now, the other reason that I prefer conventional with people with really good credit is it's a less expensive loan to do. So on a conventional mortgage, you're just paying that monthly PMI. And after you have 22% equity in the property, either through value appreciation, reduction in principal, or a combination of both, you can eliminate that monthly PMI. Where on FHA, it's a lot more difficult to eliminate the PMI. In some situations, with an FHA mortgage, you can eliminate PMI after 10 years, so in year 11. In other situations, you can never eliminate it without refinancing the mortgage. So you could be stuck with that MIP for FHA for a longer period of time than PMI for a conventional loan. So that's one of the reasons I like conventional. The other thing that I would say is FHA charges everybody what's called an upfront mortgage insurance premium. And that equals 1.75% of the amount of loan that you're borrowing on. 
So as an example, if it's a half a million dollar loan and you're paying an additional 1.75%, that can be another seven, eight plus thousand dollars that's tacked onto your loan amount. Now you don't owe that money in closing, but it's certainly there. So if you're planning on being in the mortgage for a long period of time, it's very difficult to recoup that initial investment that you're forced to make on an FHA mortgage. So why would you go with an FHA mortgage, right? So where FHA can be a better loan for somebody is if you have less than perfect credit. So let's just say for an example, you have a 640 credit score. On a 640 credit score, the cost of monthly PMI, or FHA again calls it MIP, is lower than the cost of a conventional mortgage. Well, why? Well, FHA just bases their cost of their mortgage insurance on how much money you're putting down. It's not credit grade sensitive. Where when you look at a conventional mortgage, it's what you're putting down, but it's also a product of your credit score as well. So when you get into those lower credit score bands, the cost of PMI can be very expensive for a conventional mortgage if you're putting down 3%, you're putting down 5%. So that's one reason why you may go with FHA. FHA also has lower interest rates than a conventional mortgage historically for people in lower credit bands. So for those two reasons, when you look at what the monthly payment would be for a lower credit buyer or borrower, the monthly payment just may be more affordable for FHA as compared to conventional. So I want to be sure to wrap this up a little bit with FHA. So FHA can be more favorable with low down payments with lower credit scores. FHA also allows for what would be considered a higher debt to income ratio than conventional mortgages do. So, and what the debt to income ratio is, as we've mentioned on other shows, is you basically look at what's someone's monthly de debt divided by their gross income. And when I say monthly debt, I mean the principal, interest, property taxes, homeowner's insurance, PMI, and any potential HOA dues. You add that number up, plus any other minimum monthly payments that show up on somebody's credit, re credit report. And then you divide it by the gross income. So I'll give you an example. Let's say that your mortgage payment with all your other debt is $5,100 a month. And your gross monthly income is $10,000 a month. That gives you a ratio. And that ratio is 51%. FHA would allow for that 51% ratio, or to be more specific, back-end ratio. On a conventional mortgage, that same scenario, they wouldn't allow for it. Where on a conventional mortgage, you really need that debt load to be under 4,900 in that example, divided by 10,000, which gives you a back-end ratio of 49%. And with really good credit, that may work for a conventional mortgage. So my point being, it's a, it's a little bit more complicated behind the scenes, and we really need to pick a loan product that's catered to you as the buyer to make sure that you're in the right product short and long term. Now to speak a little bit as to which one presents better when you're looking to put an offer in on a property. For some reason over the course of time, FHA mortgages have been stigmaed as something that's more difficult to do from a process standpoint than conventional mortgage mortgages. So a lot of times what you'll see is if you're looking to put an offer in on a house, the selling agent on the other end may be more apt to go with a conventional mortgage as compared to an FHA mortgage when they communicate everything with their home seller. Now, from experience, is one more difficult than the other? 
I, I, there's a little, there's some nuances associated with FHA from an appraisal standpoint that you do not see on conventional mortgages. A great example is peeling paint or cracked windows. Those types of things would have to be fixed on an FHA mortgage where they wouldn't necessarily have to be fixed on a conventional mortgage. So there is some merit to it, but the reality is it's very few and far between to see an FHA mortgage being much more difficult, if any more difficult than a conventional mortgage. So it's certainly something that you need to explore with your loan officer. You reach out to me directly to kind of review those options. The other mortgage product I wanted to talk about is a VA mortgage. And a VA mortgage is for active military, for veterans. It's also can be for surviving spouses, National Guards. There's a lot of different ways that you can qualify for a VA mortgage if you're a veteran, you've been in the service, affiliation with a service member. The VA mortgage is the only mortgage that's backed by the U.S. government, so they actually insure those mortgages. The good thing about those loans is you can put down as little as 0%, and you will not pay any type of monthly PMI or MIP or mortgage insurance. So it can really be a fantastic product at a lower rate than conventional or FHA mortgages are. They get a little bit more gritty and going through the details on those. So I'd love to have a conversation with you individually. If you have any questions about VA mortgages, just reach out to me directly at greg at yourmortgageprocess.com. So I work with a lot of veterans. You know, if you've watched our show long enough, we did a piece on veterans. We've had different veterans on the show, different uh, causes for active military people. I'm very passionate about VA mortgages because I think that they're the best mortgage product on the market for the right consumer. So for some reason, VA mortgages seem to be more difficult to get qualified for, especially in areas where there's not a lot of military basis. Other part of the parts of the country, VA mortgage is the norm. In the Northeast, you don't see that being the norm as much. But I can't encourage people enough to give a veteran or an active duty service member the opportunity to use that VA benefit to purchase a home. It's a fantastic loan. And again, I think it's the best loan on the marketplace. So let's support our military and our veterans and really consider VA mortgages when we see that offer coming through. Now, another thing I would say about VA mortgages is they're much more flexible also from a debt-to-income ratio standpoint. In our example with FHA in conventional, we were looking at different debt-to-income uh, ratios, 51% and 49% respectively. A VA mortgage is even more flexible because a big component of a VA mortgage is what's the veteran or the active service duty person's disposable income when they close on the loan. So they're underwritten slightly differently than other conventional conforming mortgages or FHA mortgages. Again, it's a great loan product, and I really encourage people to explore the options of doing a VA mortgage. Again, reach out to me if you have any questions about it. I'm an expert in that area. So listen, the reason I wanted to go through these different mortgage products for you is because they're critical to the consumer, right? People need to fully understand what their mortgage options are. And the amount of transactions where I get involved in it after someone's already applied for a mortgage, say, hey, why'd this person put me in an FHA mortgage? Or why am I conventional versus FHA? The simple reality of the fact is not everyone educates their consumers. And as you've learned from this show over a two-year time frame, education is the hallmark for everything that I'm trying to accomplish. These are conversations that need to be had with the consumer to find the right loan product for the right individual. So please, if you have any questions, just reach out to me directly about it.
And the other thing that I would say is you have to have a network of people that are working in conjunction with each other. So between your real estate agent, your mortgage person, the title company, and the attorney, the best advice I can give is you have to be working within your sphere of influence. You know, our goal is to be able to provide the consumer with the best possible service of any transaction and find the right product for them. And when we're working as a team to be able to accomplish that, things go more efficiently and customers are happy. And you look, at the end of the day, when you're purchasing a house, that should be the happiest time of your life. And we need to ensure, as, as we do working together, to make sure that that's the experience that people have. Now, I'm going to shift gears for a minute, and I'm going to talk about different type of income types to qualify people for a mortgage. So to give you an example of some of the mortgage types that are out there, there's a full documentation loan, which is the type of loan that you would do for conventional FA, conventional conforming, FHA, VA, and those loan products that we just discussed. But there's also alternative documentation lending, and there's also no documentation lending. And I just want to talk for a minute about those different types of products. So let me go through some of these products in detail for you. So full documentation, what does that mean? That means that someone qualifies from an income standpoint based on their W-2s, if they're, if they're working for an employer, or two years of tax returns, maybe one year, depending on the loan product, for someone that's self-employed. And when you look at how much money they pay taxes on every year, that's what you would use for income. And I'll give you an example. So if someone's a W-2 employee that's on a salary making $120,000 a year, we know if we take that number, divide it by 12, that they qualify on $10,000 a month. Pretty cut and dry. Now, if you're self-employed, and let's say your gross receipts are $360,000 a year, but after all of your deductions, you pay a net amount on taxes of $120,000. What income do you use? Well, you can't use the $360,000 because that's before deduction income. But what you can use is that income that you actually paid taxes on. In our example, again, $120,000. We take that number, we divide it by 12, and it would still be $10,000 a month. These are full income documentation loans. Now, when you look at self-employed people, even if you're not showing net income, in our example of $120,000, there are certain things that we can add back in for income that are just paper losses. A good example of that is you can generally look to add back in depreciation or depletion. And it gets a little bit complicated. This is why you have to reach out to me so I can look at the tax returns to figure out how much income we can use, especially if you're self-employed. So... Those are the best possible products out there for people, full income documentation. They give you the best interest rate in their loans that are sellable to FHA, VA, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and conventional lending. So the next type of income that I mentioned was alternative documentation lending. All right, what's alternative documentation? That's verifying income in a non-traditional type of channel in their what's considered non-conforming loans. So they're not conventional loans anymore. It's a separate body of money and separate investor pool that buys these types of transactions. I'll give you an example of one. So let's say you're that self-employed person that I mentioned that has $360,000 a year in gross receipts. But let's say instead of showing $120,000 in net income that you paid taxes on, let's say it's $30,000 a year. So if you're showing $30,000 a year, you buy, divide that by 12 months, $2,500 a month. It's probably not enough money to qualify for a mortgage. So what do you do? 
You tell them, hey, pay more money in taxes next year. Maybe we could do a loan for you. That's one option. Or the other option is you try to qualify them based on non-conforming channels. As an example, if we take the 12 most recent months of business bank statements, we can look at the cash flow in those accounts. And we can look at what the deposits look like over the course of that 12-month time frame. We'll take an expense factor relative to the type of work that they're in, and we may be able to use that as income. So let me walk you through that. So let's say it's $360,000 in gross deposits that they've made. And that's not transfers from different accounts. That's like true revenue that they had drive in. And let's say for the type of business that they're in, we've determined that we need to use a 50% expense factor. 50% of $360,000 is $180,000. You'd subtract the expense of 180 from the gross receipts of 360. That'd give you a residual in, uh, income of 180,000. 180,000 divided by 12 months, $15,000 a month. And you could potentially use that as income as opposed to the $30,000 that was claimed on the tax returns. So why does that become important? Because if you're a self-employed person that's taken a lot of different deductions, do you really want to be in a position where you can't purchase a house or a position where you have to show significantly more income in your next tax season, increasing your tax liability? Or do you look at a bank statement program? So now the downside of the bank statement program is the interest interest rates are going to be higher than they are in a conventional conforming loan, but you don't, you're not going to have to put yourself in a, a situation where you're going to open yourself up to a lot of different tax liability in the upcoming years that you normally would legally be allowed to write off. So again, that's a very detailed conversation that I have with self-employed home buyers to make sure that we're leading them down the right path as to what the right product is for them from a mortgage standpoint. Now, in addition to that, there's also personal bank statement program. And there's, there's other ways you can dissipate assets and all sorts of thing, things that you can do from a non-conforming standpoint that you can use for income. And what's really important about this program is it's not that we're not verifying income. We're just using non-traditional channels to verify the income. So as an example, you know, if somebody has $3 million in the bank, but they have no job, Well, how do you take that potential buyer and put them into a house? Because it seems like they're not going to default, or it doesn't seem like they're going to, based on the assets that they have. So we got to look at that and see if we can come up with a creative way to use those assets to put you into a non-conforming type of loan, or even in that scenario with those types of assets, is there an option for a conforming loan? Again, critical that you talk to someone like myself to make sure people are being led down the right path. Now, the last product that I would talk about would be a no documentation loan. And that's truly like, we're not verifying anything. And what's the catch with it, right? You got to have really, really good credit and you have to have liquid reserves after you close. So you're never going to get a no income verification loan if you got $50 in the bank after you close. You have to have a significant amount of reserves to make sure you have the ability to repay. Because listen, at the end of the day on everything, when we put someone into a house, we want to make sure that we're setting them up for success and that they're going to be able to afford the mortgage payment and that they have the reserves to fall back on if they didn't need to make their mortgage payment. And a no income documentation loan is exactly what, as it sounds, we're not verifying any income. Uh, Again, the downside of that type of loan is you have to put down more money and your interest rates are, are higher. 
So that's a loan that could be right for the perfect type of home buyer, but it's not always the right product for people. Key is education and understanding what those options are. Another loan product is what's called a debt-to-service ratio loan. And that's specifically set up for investment properties where we look at how much is the mortgage payment, and that's principal, interest, property taxes, homeowners insurance, and any potential homeowners association dues. And we look at that and we compare it against the rent roll every month. And if the numbers work correctly with what your payment is as compared to what that rent is, we may not have to verify any additional income. And it can be a really great product for the person who's an investor that's looking to purchase homes. But the key comes down to what's that rent as compared to what that mortgage payment is. In a lot of ways, it's set up similarly to the way a commercial loan is, where it's really based on what the cash flow is and not necessarily what your true income is. Great loan for the right person. So I just want to recap a little bit about what we were talking about today. So we looked at conventional conforming loans, we looked at FHA loans, and we looked at VA loans. All of them are fantastic loan products. It's just understanding the differences between the products to make sure that you and any home buyers understand what's the right fit for them. The second thing we looked at is how you qualify from an income standpoint. And we saw that you can qualify on your W-2s, you can qualify on your tax returns. You can also potentially qualify based on what the rent looks like on, a, on an investment property as compared to the mortgage payment. We looked at alternative documentation loans, which are loans where we may just look to qualify you based on 12 months of business or personal bank statements. And we also spoke briefly about no income verification loans or no document loans all of which can be fantastic mortgage products for the right consumer. Hey, listen, this is why I've been doing this for 25 years. It's really critical that the consumer and real estate agents and everyone understands what the products are that are available for people. And most importantly, that they're educated in the right areas to make sure they're making the right decision for themselves and for their potential family. So I hope this helps everyone. We'll look forward to catching up with you next week. Again, my name's Greg Wareham from Your Mortgage Process. Thanks so much for listening to us, guys. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Your Mortgage Process, hosted by Greg Wareham, produced by Greg Wareham and Nick Pavise at The Social Rift, and executively produced by The Social Rift. Thank you again for tuning in, and we look forward to catching up with you next week.